Good to see all your smiling faces. Oh, I'm loud. Am I that loud for you? It's just what I'm hearing back here. I'm fine. Okay. Thank you. All that. So um, we're here to worship, right? Not to follow a formula. We're a little kind of impromptu, but uh, it's my uh, honor and pleasure to be able to share with you this morning. Thank you. I, a uh, couple disclaimers. I, I am, several people came up today and said, oh, you're preaching today. And I was reluctant to say yes, because I am not a preacher. Uh, I, I'm a teacher, and I have, a, I have a message that God has put on my heart actually several months ago. And, and, uh, and so I, when Greg was uh, about being gone and, and how to fill the pulpit, I asked him, I specifically asked him if I could have some of my colleagues from A13 come and share, and I'll explain what that is in a moment. Uh, and then I thought, well, if I'm going to ask other people, maybe I should uh, uh, volunteer as well. And, and so I did, because I really had this topic on my heart for a while. Karen, Karen knows. We've had some Bible studies together on this. Uh, I want to thank my friends. I've got some moral um, or, uh, peanut gallery here. <laughs> so Pam and Stephen, thank you, uh, thank you for being here this morning. So I don't know. we have any other guests? Oh, yeah. We have uh, other. Thank you, Carol, and thank you guys for being here. So support for David. David, praying for you, and uh, that will continue. So. All right. Well, I have notes, and uh, I'd better uh, I'd better follow my notes, or I will uh, I will lose something, no doubt. But um, as I'm finding my notes, I want to. Uh, Greg uh, got to tell a joke, so I don't have very many. But uh, I was reminded of this actually, Greg, and then we uh, had the opportunity to travel to New Mexico this week, and uh, on the way, I think it was near Pecos, and I saw this uh, this church building that looked pretty neglected. Um, I don't know if it's currently used, but it reminded me of the story of a country pastor who uh, had a little church, and one day as he was taking his morning walk, he kind of walked up to a knoll over behind, uh, up the, above the church, and looking down at the church building, he realized it needed some, some care. It had been neglected, and, uh, and certainly he thought it, it could use a good coat of paint, that that would help. So he went to the church treasury, coffers, and took out what was there and went to the hardware store, but all what was in that can was able to provide was a can of paint and then a half a can of paint, of paint thinner. So he said, well, I'm just going to step out in faith and do what I can. So he's, he starts on the front of the church with the, with the can of paint. He's going along, and then as the can of paint begins to run down, he just pours in the paint thinner and stirs it up, and off he goes. And as a result of the paint and the thinner, he was able actually to just barely complete the job. So he was pleased with that and, and uh, went back, uh, took another little walk to get up on that hill and look down and see uh, how it looked. And well, as you might expect, the front of the church looked great. But by the time it got toward the back, it probably would have been just fine if he hadn't started. So at that point, he did what he probably should have done on the front end. He got down on his knees and prayed. He said, Lord, uh, I really uh, sort of made a mess of this, and, and if you've got a word for me on how to make this better, I'm, I am open to it. And to his, well, I guess delight, but also fear, a voice boomed out of heaven, repaint and thin no more. <laughs> oh, that's very reverent, but couldn't, couldn't resist, so... So I mentioned about uh, A13, and you've heard about that probably just briefly. Uh, several years ago, one of our, uh, our uh, 
uh, actually in the first class, Jeff Akuma uh, pr uh, provided a message. Um, and we have an optional assignment to, uh, to, to bring a message if we have the opportunity. But A13, so how many of you have heard of that? Uh, not enough. So, <laughs> Ben, hey, thanks for being here as well. So, Ben and Jamie have certainly heard of it. Um, A13 comes, that, that it comes from Acts 13, first three verses, where Paul is discipled and commissioned by the prophets and teachers in Antioch to start his ministry to the Gentiles. So I am very grateful for Nate Templin and Harlan Kaysen, Ben's dad, for, uh, for starting or launching A13 about three years ago. Nate describes A13 as an intentional process to equip and send disciple makers. It's a discipleship training program. It's, it includes both men and women. And this year is my, uh, my privilege to be able to uh, be in the class with Jamie and Allison. Uh, so if you... Uh, Oh, and by the way, thank you, Jamie. Jamie is my co-conspirator today. Uh, we're, uh, I, I'm not, obviously not Greg, right? So this is not going to be a traditional message. Um, and so we're going to have some fun with it. So Jamie, thanks for, for your help today. Uh, next week, you will meet another A13 graduate, uh, Chance Rodriguez. Uh, Chance, you may, for any of you who've been in Pueblo for any number of years, remember Chance as a Thunderwolf football champion. And, uh, but currently, he leads the Pueblo Fellowship of Christian Athletes chapter, and, uh, and he is also an A13 uh, graduate, um, and, uh, and will be sharing a message on his heart next week. So if you want to know more about A13, you can uh, ask me or Allison or Jamie or Ben in here this morning. can uh, tell you more about it. All right, I'm going to... Just a little nervous... It's just out of my comfort zone a bit, but, so, but the tea helps. So I've been thinking about this topic for months. And then several weeks ago, during one of the Wednesday cookouts, Greg shared a devotional from Psalm 19, which is in your bulletin, which I had up here, but is gone away. So, but you have it, right? As long as you have one. Uh, and he actually has Psalm 91 in one of the, the leafs there. Um, and his, his focus was, well, Psalm 91 says, you will not fear. And uh, verses 14 through 16, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show himself my salvation. So this morning, I want to expand upon the theme that Greg introduced in that devotional. And, and, this, so, and I noticed in the bulletin there's a little place for notes, right? Notes, which is good. So this is going to be real simple. Um, two words. I'm just going to ask that you remember two words. So when Greg comes back and he says, so what did John teach on? Okay. So now you can write these down, but most people can remember two words. And I'm smiling because you're going to hear that line a little bit later. So... You ready? Two words. Fear not. And you hear that several times. Fear not. Now, we all have fears. I mean, that's right. It's just a natural um, or part of our emotions, right? Fear is one of the emotions. But Webster defines fear as a very unpleasant or disturbing feeling caused by the presence or imminence of danger. I want to emphasize those two words. The, like, so the current presence 
or imminence of danger, right? I'm going to give you several examples of that. But it's a state or condition marked by this feeling. It's a feeling of disquiet or apprehension. And it's a natural response to a clear and present danger. So this, uh, you, everyone should be able to relate to this topic, right? And so I'm going to ask you, what do you fear, right? We all have fears. Uh, personally, one of my fears, probably more of a worry, and I'll talk more about that in a, in a little bit, but um, is the loss of a loved one. I, we have several friends who have lost children or grandchildren, and I cannot tell you with any confidence how I would ever have to deal with that, except that I know the Lord would be with me going through that. Um, so that's, that's a personal fear that is still, still with me, still sometimes wakes me up at night. So we all have fear at times, and uh, even our heroes have fear. I wanna, here's, a, here's an example. I'm not afraid. Yeah. You will be. You will be. I love Luke's Behold, God is my salvation. arrogance in, in that, right? I, I am not afraid. Well, we all have fears. We all have times when we're afraid. But fear is a negative emotion. And when it's chronic or irrational or besetting, right, where it's just continual, then it's ugly. And it has lots of baggage, bad baggage. Loss of sleep, depression, anxiety. It's not healthy. And as a chronic condition, it's actually dangerous. Now, distinguish, right? I'm not talking about caution or what I call situational awareness. Caution is healthy. It's a rational response to a present uncertainty as is situational awareness. When I'm in the back of the church every Sunday, that's situational awareness. I'm listening to the sermon on the, on the uh, live stream, but I am aware, I am watching. Uh, that's situational awareness. But, but fear creeps in. I, I think I was trying to say, well, what are some personal examples? And one that uh, clearly comes to mind is several years ago, a friend and I were hiking. This is when we were living in Los Alamos through the Bandelier Wilderness. We were out for a couple day backpack. And in the first uh, afternoon, as we're about two hours in, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ahead at this point. I think because he was faster and he wanted me to set the pace. But anyway, I'm ahead, and I'm, I'm, I'm going up a rise. And as I get toward the top of the rise, on the other side of the rise coming up is a brown bear. So at, at probably at the point of me and, and the railing over here, and so he's surprised, and he you know, rears up, and I'm surprised, and I'm starting to head the other way, which is fruitless, right, because you cannot outrun a bear. But all I wanted to do was get to my buddy, right, because I thought maybe the two of us would have some chance. But anyhow, the bear was just as, as startled as I was, and so as I looked over my shoulder, he's taken off the trail the other way, thankfully. Nevertheless, later that evening, as, as we're finishing up dinner and and I'm taking the utensils over to the stream, and the stream's bubbling and making noise. And I was a little like, yeah, you know, I hope no one else is with me. <laughs> I hope I'm as alone as it feels out here. So um, that's, that's fear. Many times on the trail, I've encountered rattlesnakes. That's, that's pretty common. Usually they let you know that, uh, that they're there. But you have that, that response, right? Fear, which 
hopefully translates to caution and, and, uh, and taking the precautions that you need to, to do. So again, common things, you know, walking up to your car at night, you know, that, yeah, you want to be very situationally aware. Walking up to your door at night, particularly if you've got big bushes, you know, we always say that's never, never safe. But uh, so fear is, is natural. Caution is healthy. And as I said, it's an element of safety. But debilitating and chronic fear is not. This would, called, this would involve irrational phobias, superstitions, the fear and worry that keeps you up at night. Not just wakes you up, but keeps you up night after night. It, it's, it's a fear that hijacks your mind, right? So that you just can't get peace and rest. Yet during the past two years, we've been steeped in a culture of fear. And the mainstream media, I think, feeds on it. You know, now we're, now we're what, it's monkeypox, right? And new strains and new things. It's, it's, it's unavoidable, you know, what you need to fear this week. It's interesting, though, during the pandemic, fear as a condition. Fear emerged as one of the most dangerous and serious comorbidity. You know, comorbidity, it's when someone goes into the hospital, it's what else is going on, right? And so one of the most dangerous and serious comorbidities of patients hospitalized with severe COVID-19 symptoms was fear. And it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Patients with severe anxiety often subsequently die. So it's, it's dangerous. And also, let me be clear and, and unequivocal, fear is Satan's currency. He, he uh, I think we'll pamper. Pam does not have a Baptist tradition, so she's not afraid to, amen, right? So thank you for that, right? Yeah, it's Satan's currency, it, and, and because it's so effective, it immobilizes us, and it's often the root cause of many physical and emotional ailments, and it's been particularly rampant during and continuing from the pandemic. Now, in the early days of the pandemic, fear was rampant and in full display, and that's somewhat understandable. COVID-19 was a novel virus, highly contagious, and initially highly virulent. Many scientists now believe that COVID-19 was not natural, but was engineered to be highly transmissible among humans. Never has there been anything that has been as contagious as COVID-19. And at early on, we didn't know how to treat it. We didn't have vaccines. We didn't have uh, agreed upon treatments. But within months, treatments became available and then vaccines. And thankfully, the severity of each subsequent variant has lessened. But the spirit of fear has lingered. And it still lingers today. Popular media regularly reports, what's next, as I mentioned before? Monkeypox, more variants, flesh-eating bacteria. It wasn't hard to find headlines, right, on this. Flesh-eating bacteria, brain-eating amoebas. Again, all Satan's currency. So as Christians, how should we respond? Does it make a difference that we are believers, that we have a, 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 an assured hope through Jesus Christ? I think it should. But let's look. Let's look at what the Bible says about fear. My question to you as we read these verses, is it reasonable and rational for a believer in Jesus to fear, that chronic, debilitating fear? So let's look at what Jesus taught. In several stories in the Gospels, Jesus directly addresses fear. 
And the first verses I want to look at are Matthew 23, 27. Do we, do we have those? But hopefully you brought your Bible. But Greg always says, bring your Bibles. So um, this is a familiar story in uh, Matthew chapter 8. And, oh, he's got it up there. Good. So, um, well, I'm going to read it. Can I, you can still, yeah, yeah, well, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm wired, right? So I can turn and read so what you have on the screen. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he, Jesus, was asleep. And they went and woke him and said, Save us, Lord, we're perishing, we're dying. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. You know, it's somewhat humorous. Right? These, these were seasoned fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. Big bodies of water get storms quickly. We experienced this recently. I was out with the kids and some friends, and we were out, and this storm came up like that. And by the time we got across the lake, we were in white caps, and thankfully we had some people at the dock that helped us get the boat in. It was scary for a while because it came up so quickly. So, but, you know, his companions were seasoned fishermen. They'd experienced this before. They were familiar with seas with whitecaps. And yet, in this storm, they panicked. Lord, save us. We're going to die. And what was Jesus doing just before their panic-driven plea? Sleeping. It's outrageous, right? He was sleeping. And as he wake them up, how does Jesus respond to their panic? Verse 26, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Because who was with them? I mean, they, they probably didn't have life jackets, right? That's sort of, sort of a new phenomenon. But they had Jesus, and they knew his power. They knew who he was. And thankfully, much to their relief, he displayed yet again his sovereign power over the elements of nature, and he calmed the sea immediately, right? It says he rebuked the wind and the seas. I love that, you know. He rebuked it. Stop it. It was a lesson they never forgot until, of course, the night of his arrest and subsequent crucifixion when they, of course, feared again. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus warns his followers to expect persecution and suffering. And he tells them, how should we respond? In verse 12, rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Really? Think about that. Really? Rejoice and be glad when you're persecuted? That's outrageous. And yet, that's his instruction. Later in Matthew, Jesus sends out the 12 in chapter 10. And he warns them in verse 22, all men will hate you because of me. And then subsequently, three times in this passage, he commands them, do not be afraid of them. You look it up, verse 26, 28, 31. He says the same thing three times in a short segment. Okay? Remember that, that pattern, three times. So why does he repeat it three times? Because we have to discipline ourselves to overcome our natural tendency to fear. Now, and I understand, the world and godless people in particular are scary. But let's distinguish, okay? This is, this is where the English language is not very precise at times. 
There's a big difference between fear of the Lord and fear of man. In Proverbs 9.10, says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We, we are commanded to pursue the former, fear of the Lord, and resist the latter, fear of men. We are commanded. Okay? Not just a suggestion. It's a command. We are called to awesome reverence for the holy character of God, the Father, our Creator. Fear of the Lord is a good thing. And in fact, it's an antidote to debilitating fear. Now, little side, uh, well, it's closely related. Closely related to fear is worry. Right? They're kind of companions. Now, Jesus also taught about worry, very specifically. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Think we have that. Jesus, Jesus has, a, has a teaching specifically about worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But, but, the antidote, right? But, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus on worry. Now, and I know Greg shares this often, this, this is getting personal. Because frankly, worry has been a besetting, besetting, is that the word? Besetting, right? Sin in my life, as my wife well knows. But the Holy Spirit has helped me overcome worry most of the time, recently. But this has really been very, very recent. And it's, and it's, I still struggle. I got up last night, and I couldn't get back to sleep uh, over just, because your mind just races, right? And I'm going to give you an antidote to that, so that's coming. So let's be clear. And, and let me ask the question. From what we've, what we've read from Scripture, from Jesus' teaching on fear and worry, so here's the question. Is fear, right, the debilitating, chronic fear is fear sin? And I know, I'm used to teach. So this is yes, and this is no, okay? So is fear, debilitating chronic fear, sin? And is worry sin? Well, let me be unambiguous. The answer is yes. Both are clear disobedience of God's command to trust and obey. And this is hard, right? Because... But, but both are as much a sin as lust, adultery, murder, stealing, dissipation. 
And the worst is when they are besetting sins, when we, they, we just can't let go. And when we allow it to impact our lives or the ones we love. And we really have no excuse from what, the, what Jesus' word commands us and assures us. And I'll be reading more of those verses in a moment. So I believe, and, and if you don't agree with me, you can email me, we can have a conversation, love to have coffee, but a persistent spirit of fear is a poor Christian witness. Because it's a very public surrender to Satan's influence in our lives. Now remember, when I thought about this, well, okay, what's, what's the balance here? So what came to mind was Paul's spirit-rousing chapter 8. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, Paul says, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither I can't add to this list, so listen. That neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. One thing God's word is, is clear. (laughs) So what's the antidote to debilitating and besetting worry and fear? Let me give you four. First, knowing to whom we belong. Joshua 1, 8, uh, 9 says, Do not be anxious, for I am your God. See, we belong to a God of love, grace, and mercy. Second, choose faith. Belief is the antidote to fear and dread. But we can never overcome fear without taking that step of faith and trusting on the promises that God has given us in his word. Third, confronting our fears face to face. We have to remember, the Holy Spirit is with us. That's a promise, right, when we become believers. He's called us to overcome our fears, and he's already given us the victory. We can be assured of that, right? Let's have our victory in Jesus. He's given us the victory. And he will fulfill what he has promised. And then four, and this is where I want to camp out for the, for the end of this, is reading and meditating on God's words, on his, on his word, on his promises and his provision. That, that works for me every time. It worked last night when I finally just put, put on the Psalms and just sat back and listened for about 45 minutes. Scriptures like Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Matthew 28, 27. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Those are promises. We can stand on his promises. And so, and fifth is related to all this. It's worshiping. It's worship, right? We can worship the Lord. We, it's, it's part of the fear of the Lord is worship works for me is our psalms, psalms of praise and worship, psalms like 50, 104, 
And that whole section at the end of the Psalms, 139 through 150, a whole series of songs of praise. When I wake up with worry or fear, I, I, the only thing that works, I've tried, the only thing that works is substituting God's word for all of what's going on in my mind. That's the only thing that works. Meditating on his word and his promises. Example is Psalm 56. Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man or flesh do to me? Now, another great tool, if you don't know this tool uh, that I use often, is it's an app and it's also a website called Got Questions. How many are familiar with that? Got Questions? It's a, it's, it's a Christian Right, because it, it, it's just, uh, I just read recently it's had like a million uh, hits. Uh, but so go to that. Here's, an, here's homework. Got questions and type in on your search the promises of God. Okay? You'll get a list of Old Testament and New Testament promises. Things like, I'm sorry, verses like Isaiah 26 3. I love this verse. This is one I can, I can just repeat this and repeat this at night when I'm troubled. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. And Psalm 4.8. Karen introduced me to this, actually. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now, how specific is that when you're waking up at night, right? Now, let me, um, I want to provide, I, I don't know what the time is. I <laughs> But um, an example of overcoming debilitating fear. I want this to be a, a, a real to you. Uh, so Andrew Brunson. Andrew Brunson was a missionary who was called to the Turkish people. He lived in Turkey for over 20 years. He pastored a small evangelical Christian church in Izmir. Un, unexpectedly, he was arrested. Actually, they told him he had to leave the country and at the airport. They arrested him in October 2016 on false charges of conspiracy following the attempted coup against President Erdogan and the subsequent purge that he, uh, he, he uh, leashed upon the people. It, it was just, he was, he was told he was going to be made an example of. He spent two years in a Turkish jail. He was separated from his family. He had no access to American advocates. There was no no embassy um, people he could, he could appeal to. He was tortured and physiologically abused. He was told over and over again, every day, that he would never get out of Turkey alive. He would never see his family again. And he experienced fear. And he admits that. It wasn't an imaginary what-if fear, but he truly felt abandoned by God. And he feared each coming day. And he was almost defeated by chronic fear. But after about a year, he says, he was able to overcome his fear. And he survived. How? Three things, he says. And, and these are very similar to what I've already shared. He chose to fear God. That's what he focused on. Fear God. And in that, his power, his mercy, his promises. I want to emphasize, he chose to fear God and not just go with what was going on around him. Secondly, he chose to maintain an eternal perspective. And this helped him look beyond the horrors of the day he was about to experience. 
by having an eternal perspective. And related to that, he nurtured a desire for heaven. He knew where he was going. He knew what the end would bring. And that's what he disciplined himself to focus on, a desire for heaven. And he survived. And just, or by the way, because I don't want to leave you hanging, uh, after then-President Trump slapped significant economic sanctions on Turkey and demanded Andrew's release, he suddenly was brought to trial. He was convicted of abating, abetting terrorists, but he was sentenced to the time already served and released to American custody. God answered Andrew's and his family's prayers, but not before teaching them a hard and valuable lesson about faith and trust. So I, I want to summarize. I want to emphasize just that this is not going to be long. But what did Jesus teach about fear and worry? And I, I've asked uh, Jamie, I'm going to play a video clip. When I thought about this, I'm, I'm a visual person, right? So visual things I, I remember. And I remembered this, and some, some of you, for those of you who are young, you won't remember Bob Newhart. So this comes from the Bob Newhart show. Bob Newhart is playing a psychiatrist. And, and a woman comes to him with a phobia. She's, she's afraid that she's going to be buried in a box. And as a result, she can't be in an elevator, she can't be in a car, she can't be in a house, because they remind her of a box. And I want you to listen. I'm just going to play the end of this. But Bob has some very simple advice for her. Um, and, and, and again, it will be easy to remember. Okay? And it's not precisely scriptural, but I think it's close. So I want you to listen. You ready, Jamie? So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most We find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, you're there. Stop it! I love it. That's the end of the session, by the way. I mean, it doesn't go on. He's done. So, what did Jesus say? Fear not. Pretty close, right? Fear, he doesn't say except for, he just, and several times, right? I'm always more than convicted when something is repeated in scripture several times. God's word is elegant. It's not repeated because they didn't remember that they'd covered it before. It's repeated because we need that emphasis. Jesus is very clear. Do not fear. Do not fear nature, the elements. God is in control. Do not fear men, Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. We're not to fear disease or death. We all have that sentence. We're all going to die. Now, I, got, I shared, so when I was in the hospital, you know, I'm, I'm a recovering hospital administrator, and one of our statistics was our, and Greg knows this, right, our community mortality rate, right? We, know, we wanted to be sure that people were going home and not, People do die in the hospital, but most don't, right? And so we looked at our mortality rate, an important statistic. By, by the way, some of you may be statistical-oriented people, but do you know what the mortality rate in Burnley, in, uh, this came from Albuquerque, in Pueblo County is? 
Anyone have a guess? What's the mortality rate in Pueblo County? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's 100%, folks. Sorry to sort of lay that on you. So it's inevitable, right? We, you know, dead men walking, right? That we know what's going to happen. It's shared. It's inevitable. Now, sure, we all hope to live to a ripe old age. But as children of hope, we can be assured that our days are numbered. But he has a plan, and it includes each of you. Each of you that know and have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Do not worry. Jesus is very clear about this in Matthew 6. Again, it's repeated three times. And, the, and he gives the antidote in, about worry. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So the antidote for fear and worry is meditating on God's word, standing on his promises, worshiping him and being grateful for how he has provided and blessed you. So in the few minutes that we have left, I don't know that I have left, but that's, we're going to take a few minutes, for, for a kind of, I want you to worship, right? Worship is coming together as we are, it's singing songs, but it's also just meditating on God's word. So I just want you to listen, and, and you can close your eyes, just listen to God's word. And then I'll have a closing uh, song. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Joshua 1 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. In closing, I want to share a prayer I found. This, uh, John Boyd is a retired CEO of Mission Avi Aviation Fellowship. They have pilots all over the world uh, who are oftentimes in mortal danger. His prayer is this. Heavenly Father, your word is clear when you say, do not fear. And yet we can be fearful. Before your throne of grace, I lift my prayer to you for courage and perseverance in the lives of all your children. I trust your word and your wisdom. Strengthen us and give us your peace. Dear Lord, amen. So again, there is an antidote to fear. Not just do not fear. Clearly gives us an antidote, and that is faith. Many of the verses you just heard emphasize Jesus' victory over sin, including fear. Overcoming fear and worry on your own is impossible, I think. So if you don't already have a relationship with Jesus, I'd like to have a conversation with you. I'm going to invite you to, uh, to come up front. We can talk now or make an appointment. But clearly, what you do with Jesus and with his promises and with his invitation to come to him. It's probably the most, it's not probably, it is the most important decision that you will ever make. So in closing our time of, of worship, I have asked Jamie to play a last uh, video clip. And I found this and I, I think it's highly relevant. 
Uh, and I thought of Greg. Greg, this is in honor of you. Um, I think you'll like this. So I'm just going to play the clip, and, and then we're done. So I don't have any other announcements. I just want to close our time with, uh, with this devotional. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. For I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants. The Lord gives strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. So fear not. 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 We read about the way the Red Sea parted. And the Hebrew boys delivered from the flames There must have been some moments when they trembled So no matter what you're facing He's faithful just the same Fear not when the water is hot Fear not when you're facing the fire If you can't see the way and it's shaking your faith Cause the enemy's near and you're tempted to fear Fear not is still in control, fear not, and he wants you to know that he's brought you this far, so keep telling your heart, trust God, fear not. Despite what you've been reading in the headlines, there's no need for worry or alarm, in Jesus there's a blessed sweet. So be bold and courageous Just keep holding on Keep holding on Fear not when the water is hot Fear not when you're facing the fire If you can't see the way and it's shaking your faith Cause the enemy's near and you're tempted to fear Fear not, he is still in control Fear not he wants you to know that he's brought you this far So keep telling your heart, trust God Fear not There's nothing that you're facing He can bring you through There's nothing that the great, almighty, good and faithful Everlasting God can do Fear not when the water is high Fear not when you're facing the fire If you can't see the way Shaking your faith Cause the enemy's near And you're tempted to fear Fear not He's still in control Fear not And he wants you to know That he's brought you this far So keep telling your heart Trust God Fear not Fear not When the water is high Fear not When you're facing the fire If you can't see the way And it's shaking your faith Cause the 
Thank you. <laughs> God bless you all. Have a great week. Yep. Come back. <laughs>